Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Good morning, church family and visitors that are here today. Um, So, as Kurt introduced this morning, you know, we are finishing up the Reset series. Today, I get to do Reframe, and I guess there's probably a question that comes out of that, what I actually mean by Reframe. See, the thing, like, for us, everybody sees things through this particular frame of reference. We all have it. But how we choose to frame things can either have a positive or a negative effect. And some types of framing we actually love. Uh, Framing lets us see only what we really want to see. And truthfully, I mean, we're thankful for that in certain things, like with Zoom meetings. I'm sure all of y'all have had to deal with that now that we're in the COVID era um, of having to do the Zoom meetings. And thank God that we have the ability to turn that video camera on and make sure it's where we want it, how we want it, make sure it's showing our best side, make sure we can't see the things in the background before we go live with that. And even better, praise God, we can have the option just to not turn on that video camera and just be absent present. I see some hands raised. That's me too sometimes. Um, So that's really good. Another area where most of us really, really like the ability to reframe things is in cropping photos. You see, whenever we crop photos, we only see the portion that we want to be seen, whatever that might be. Even though we know the reality is there's a whole world going on outside of that frame. And so this morning, I've brought you guys some pictures just to kind of show you the kind of things that we do. So you see this guy, he's just kind of hanging out in Dubai, right? Like it looks great. He's on his vacation. It's more like he's hanging out in the living room, but looks great, right? You know, you can reframe these things. Okay. And then here, this is actually a selfie I took this morning. These are how I take my selfies. So the reason is because, like, you know, you don't want people to see the rest of the world because the reality is we're not all in favor of everybody wanting to just see. You know, I like to just, you know, that, cute was, that cat was really cute for a minute, right? Okay, so those are the kind of things we do. And then this one, like, everybody loves to go on vacation. You love to just chill by the pool, right? This guy's so nice to chill by the pool. Jokes. I have no life. You see his hand? Yeah, it's not real. It's not real. And we do these things. And then this cool cat who's hanging out on his car there, right? He's just chilling. Okay, well, check this out. (laughs) Notice that it's up on bricks, guys. Like, really? Okay. And then mm, this one, oh, this is just a sunset that I just, I cropped this photo over the weekend. That one's really irrelevant. Okay. And then this one, this shark right here. Like, if you're in the water, you're going to freak out about this, right? Well, maybe you shouldn't because it's just a duck. That one quacks me up every time. I'm telling you. You guys didn't know he was going to be hearing some foul language this morning, did you? <laughs> okay, so those are, those are things that we do, okay? So really, though, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with us cropping or framing? Well, there's really nothing wrong with it for pictures, but when it comes to our frame of reference, framing limits our perspective. 
It completely limits our perspective. If all we can see is just what's right in front of us, we're missing something, and it can cause problems. We can develop this kind of victim mindset. And before I go here, I do want to just say, I know that there are true victims, so this is not what I'm talking about here. So please don't think I'm insensitive, because I know there are things that happen to us. I've experienced of myself that we truly are a victim. So I just want to say it up front because I don't want to lose you right away, okay? So it's easy for me. This is just a, a quick confession. I didn't really want to do this, but I'm going to, following Spirit. It's really easy for me sometimes to play the victim. Is there anybody else in here and play victim? Don't raise your hand. I know you're out there. It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. But I love sometimes to play the victim. And the reason is because I got really good at it when I was the old me. I love to play victim, and I was good at it. I could, oh, woe is me, everything's falling apart. And, and I was just able to go and tell everybody too, right? I had to make sure everybody knew my circumstances and how miserable they were. And I was just really, really good at that. And I still struggle with that today, with wanting to take that victim mindset. But I've also taken that a step too far into saying or thinking, that God was picking on me. But you know what? God's not a bully. God is not a bully. So never take that victim mindset that you think God is picking on you because he's not. Another way, another thing that can happen to us with that is that we can lose hope if all we see is defeat. If you're in a season right now in your life like we're going to see in Joseph's life where it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. It's easy to feel defeated. It is so easy for us to feel defeated. But you're not. You're not defeated. Absolutely none of us are defeated. If you're a believer in here this morning, you are not defeated. Keep that in mind. We can also lose sight of God's faithfulness. When we're in those trials and we finally decide we're going to reach out to God and ask for help and we don't hear from him right away, the thoughts start, God, did you forget about me? Have, have I missed something? Because I read your word and your word says that you're always faithful. And that's the truth that we have to hold on to is that his truth is always faithful. But we can allow our minds to go to this certain place where we start feeling like, I'm still here, God. I'm right here, and I ask for you. The Bible proves his faithfulness over and over. It's our job to read it, to take it in, to allow the Spirit to surgically repair our hearts with his word so that our minds are renewed. That's, that's our job, guys. And then the fourth thing is that we can lose sight of the greater glory of God's plan. See, God's frame of reference isn't like those cropped photos up there. God's frame of reference is more like this panoramic view of a victory. God does not see what we see in that crop photo of a victim. Instead, he sees the entire thing as this panoramic view from the beginning to the end of a victory. Do you hear what I'm telling you this morning? Don't get caught right here. Don't get caught right there. 
God sees everything, every person, every moment, every circumstance. And that's why we need to view life from God's frame of reference. Now, the story of Joseph, it's a great example of what it would look like if we would reframe ourselves and look at things the way God sees them instead of just what we see through our narrow little crop. So I have to talk about Joseph's story here now. And unfortunately, they wouldn't give me the four hours that it would take because this goes from chapter 37 in Genesis all the way to 50. And I asked them and they said, y'all wouldn't hang around for four hours. So I'm just going to do a quick little recap. And I just ask you guys, as I read through this, consider your own lives and see how many parallels you might see with Joseph. Okay. Joseph's father, he favored him greatly. And he gave him this really, really cool robe. It was just like this amazing, just incredible, like technicolor dream coat, if you will. There's some age in this room. If you laugh and you got that, thank you very much. I worked on that for a while and started to leave it out. But seriously, like he gave him this wonderful gift and Joseph's brothers hated him for it. And when I say they hated him, I'm talking about in five verses the Bible, this is in the NLT, five verses, it says they hated him. So they didn't just hate him, they hated him. Deep hated, just really like that, that just dysfunctional family kind of thing going on there, okay? And then Joseph had these visions of the future where his family would bow down to him. And then he goes and tells them that, look, I know you hate me, but you're really going to hate me now because guess what? I had these visions from God and and you're going to bow before me and you're going to bow before me and you're going to bow before me. So I'm sure you like me now, right? Yeah. Yep. Sure. That helped him out. So what did they do? They decide we got to kill him guys. It's time to kill him. He's got to go. So they plot to kill him. And then God's provision comes in. They decide, Hey, you know what? We shouldn't kill him. Let's throw him in this well over here. We'll just throw him in that well. We'll leave him. Oh, or better yet, we'll sell him into slavery. And that's what they do. But then they fake his death and they take this beautiful coat that his father gave him. And they cover it in goat's blood and they take it to his father and say, isn't this your son's coat covered in blood? How much would that hurt as a parent? to have something like that happen. So he was sold into slavery and he goes to work in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him and he started growing in stature and he was just, everything was clicking for him and it was going good. The problem was Potiphar's wife was attracted to him. So now here he is, he's trying to do the right thing through all of this. He's, you know, gaining stature. He's doing the right thing. And this woman's like, oh, come here, come here. And he's resisting her, right? He's resisting her. No, 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 no. Look, I've been entrusted with all of this. I'm not going to blow this. And then she sees an opportunity and accuses him of trying to sleep with her. And he's thrown in prison. And then while he's in prison, he interprets dreams for Pharaoh's servants, the the cupbearer and the baker, okay? And the the cupbearer ends up getting out of jail. And he's like, oh, I won't forget you for this, man. Thank you so much. And goes on his way, okay? Well, then Pharaoh had some dreams. And the Bible says, the cupbearer remembered Joseph two years later. I won't forget you. Two years later. (laughs) 
oh yeah, there was this guy that was in prison. He was really good at this. And maybe we should check on him and get his opinions on it. If there was an opportunity for Joseph to feel defeat, to feel like he was forgotten, that probably would have been it for me. Two years forgotten. So anyway, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. He, he talks about this. It's going to be seven years of feast and seven years of famine. And as a result, Pharaoh ends up putting Joseph in charge of the harvesting and the storing of grain. So now he's established into this even higher, um, uh, in a higher role. And then it happens. During the famine, Joseph's brothers, because I love God and the way he does things, Joseph's brothers now have to come and ask for grain from their brother who they tried to kill. I love irony. Um, so then eventually Joseph does confront them and they're reconciled. You know, he, he's, they're, they're reconciled with each other, the brothers and him. But then near the end of Jacob's life, that's Joseph's father, near the end of his life, the brothers begin to fear that Joseph is going to seek retribution, that he's going to kill them. And that's where we're going to pick up in Scripture today. This is in chapter 50, verses 14 through 21. It's on the screen. It says, After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. Check out what Joseph does. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. And then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph and said, Look, we are, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, do not be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So I ask you to look at all those things that happened in his life and think about your own lives. And if you had a life like that, Outside of God, would you be able to forgive them when they have to come back groveling and begging? We can't do that if we have our frame of reference. Only seeing God's frame of reference and following God and allowing him to change our hearts is ever going to let us get to that point. So we see several things in this, in Joseph's story, especially whenever we look at it through our frame of reference. We see problems but God sees purpose. We tend to only see the problems, but God always sees a purpose. He has from the beginning. It's not hard to read about Joseph's sufferings and take that from that victim perspective. Oh, poor Joseph, like all these bad things happened to him. This is terrible. And they were, but God had a plan from the very beginning even before Joseph was ever born, God had a plan that was going to be carried out. So we can see him as a victim and we can also do that. 
in our own lives through our frame of reference. It's easy for us to feel the victim. But this story of Joseph is also a great example of what it looks like to view trials through God's point of view. You know, despite all that Joseph endured, he held on to God's promises. In chapter 39, there are five times where it says that the Lord was with Joseph. It says the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph did this, and the Lord was with Joseph. Believers, we all know that God is omnipresent. So what does he mean whenever he says the Lord was with him? As a believer, the Lord is always with us. Sometimes we miss the fact that what that really means is that Joseph was with the Lord. Joseph was walking with the Lord. The Lord is always here. Even when we're not following him, the Lord's everywhere. We have to follow him. So when it says that, understand that that might be what's missing, is that we're not following him. But what if we never stopped being with the Lord? What if we always stay with him? You know, if you're a believer in this room this morning, God has given you promises that you may have forgotten or you may not even know them. But whether you know it or not, they're still just as true. They're still just as true as when the ink was wet, when it was written, and they will still be true when we're no longer here. Maybe we need to remember God's promise in Romans 8 that he works all things to the good of those who love him. Because when we remember that promise, it enables us to live with his peace and it strengthens our faith in him. And remember this too, that when Paul wrote that, Paul was in prison. Paul could have been victim, but do you know what, Paul? Paul was in prison for the sake of the gospel, not because of the gospel, but for the sake of gospel. So if we are in our hard times, we need to be in our hard times for God's glory, for God's sake, for God's plan and God's purpose. That's where we need to land. Next, we see that God is a God of reconciliation. The truth about God is that he wants to restore all relationships, all circumstances for the good of his people and for his glory. God used Joseph in a mighty way, as you just saw. He went from down here to this stature of taking care of many people. God used Joseph in that mighty way, but he also reconciled his relationship with his family. It wasn't an either or, it was a yes and. And the word intended that's used there is the same that's in verse 20, that God is not evil, but he uses evil circumstances for his good. God intended that evil for the greater good of his people. But God also wants to reconcile us to himself through Jesus. As believers, as unbelievers as well, God wants that for us. He wants to reconcile us to himself through Jesus. Like Joseph, God sent Jesus into the world to save the lives of many through Jesus' work on the cross, we too can be reconciled to God and we can experience reconciliation, both relationally and circumstantially. Whatever you're going through, there can be reconciliation, but it comes through his peace. It comes through trusting and letting the spirit work in us. 
Colossians 1, 19 through 20 tells us this. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. And this is how, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We need to view life from God's frame of reference. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we actually live life seeing things the way God sees? Because I know that God is almighty, all-powerful. I know that we cannot see all that he sees. But I know that we can see through his frame of reference. We can step out of what we think is right. We can step out of our little cropped picture and our pity parties and those kind of things. We can step away from that and understand God's promises for us. And this is how you do it. You can write these down if you want. Number one is that we need to learn his frame of reference through reading his Bible, through reading his word. The Bible, many of you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Bible is a story of reconciliation that begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And right in the middle, like Kurt said, when Jesus came to die for us, all of this was a reconciliation, but all along before Jesus and after Jesus, you see story after story after story of these people being reconciled, of these homes and families that are torn apart being reconciled, of generational sins being destroyed, all in, in, for God and, and, and for his glory. And none of that takes place if we are focused on the pain. We must be focused. We have to have that right frame. So we need to learn his word. Number two is that we need to run to the Lord in prayer. I mean consistently, daily, throughout the day. I feel, and, and, and this is me speaking, but I, I don't believe I'm alone in this. I feel that many times we get stuck in this rut where it's almost like a phone call. Hey, Lord, yeah, look, I just want to tell you, Lord, look, this is messed up in my life, and this is messed up right here, and I could really use your help. I've got to have your help. There's no way I can do this without you, and I need some answers because I've been standing here for too long waiting, and I don't know what to do, and I know that you're the only one that can tell me, so please tell me. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And he's standing there going, did you want to hear the answer? I truly believe that we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should be listening to God twice as much as we're speaking to him. We should be listening twice as much. How are we going to know what he wants for us if we won't stop and listen? How are we ever going to see his frame of reference if we don't let him tell us? If we're not reading his word and we're not listening to what he has to say to us in our, in our quiet times, we'll never know. The third thing is this. Use your life experience. <clears throat> Use your life experience to help somebody else. You know, you look around this room, there are so many people, different areas of their life, different, different time periods in their life. We've all been through things that there are other people in this room that are just now going into or about to go into. We can use our life experiences to help those people along. We can help show them a part of what God sees because we've already experienced it in our lives. And they're standing there going, I don't know what's going on, but look, you've walked through stuff that other people need help getting through. And the opposite of that is true as well. So I'm going to take a moment here. There are many people in this room, myself included, that could greatly benefit from the experiences of others. 
we all should have a Timothy in our life that we're pouring into and a Paul that we are going to for help. That's kind of the way it's designed. If you're struggling with something right now in your life and you don't have the answers to it, I can guarantee you that at Celebrate Recovery, there's somebody that either is or has experienced victory through whatever it is you're dealing with. And no, it's not just about drugs and alcohol. I hear that all too often. It's about life. It's about when life kicks you and you get kicked down. That's what it's about. It's brothers and sisters coming together and saying, you know what? I've been there and I've made it out of it because of God. Now let me show you how this works. Let me walk with you out of that grave. Let me walk with you out of that addiction. Let me walk with you out of that codependency and get you upright and cleaned off so that you can shine for the Lord. And then you know what? Then you can go help somebody else. It's discipleship 101. I'm just challenging you to step out of your insanity. And I'm challenging you just to just step out of the denial. Step out of the insanity. And I'll see you there Thursday night. All right, the last thing, four. We've got to trust that God can reconcile and redeem any, any situation that we're in. You know, last week you were asked to fill out the connect card and if you needed to reconcile with somebody, you know, with that reconcile. Look, I'm telling you right now that God will reconcile. He will provide a time and he will provide a place where you can reconcile these relationships or whatever it is. But I also want to tell you this. You need to be ready on your end. You need to search yourself, search your soul, search your heart, make sure your motives are right. Find out what part you're responsible for before you go to apologize to somebody. Make sure that you know why you're apologizing. And don't make excuses. Don't say, I'm sorry, but. Let your I'm sorry be genuine. And if you want to forgive someone else for something they've done, take that to the Lord first. Let the Lord work on you first, because sometimes it's hard to let, let someone off the hook, depending on what they've done. The bottom line is this, you guys. We need to view life from God's frame of reference. We just, we do. We need to view our life from his frame of reference. Because no matter the time of the day, whether it's like sunrise and this cropped sunset up here, we need to do our very best to see life through God's frame. Otherwise, we are going to completely miss or forget that he is a God of purpose and a God of reconciliation to him to each other, and to our circumstances. We can crop pictures sometimes and see this beautiful sunset over here and miss all that God's trying to show us. Yes, this is beautiful. This is amazing. So my challenge to you today, and I'm going to close with this, my challenge is this. If you need to reframe your life, I'm just asking that you would pick up that Connect card and just write, I need a reframe on it. I'll get those this week, and I will start praying over those, and I'll probably send you a little bit of information, maybe just a reminder of how you can reframe things. But we need to get there, guys, because there's great things for every one of us, but we've got to be looking at things the way he does. Thank you.
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.